That is what we are here to celebrate today. It's what we talk about every week, but it is so appropriate that we celebrate it today. What you're going to walk into today, if you're a guest, this is a very different day at Watermark. We, once a year, just really encourage our friends who haven't done what we celebrate all year long and encourage people to do all year long as it happens, but once a year we kind of stop and say, hey, if this has not yet happened, what, what, what? This first step of obedience. This first moment when you declare to others that, hey, something changed in my life. What changed was my understanding of who God is. He's someone who loves me, that I'm chosen by him to be the recipient of grace. I'm not forsaken, I'm forgiven. And I am who he says I am. I, 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 all of us, right, all of us saw things that flashed up on that screen before the fire consumed it that made us go, wow, that, that's, my life is marked by laziness, by lust, by materialism, by idolatry, by adultery, by debauchery. If not in deed, certainly in thought, in so many ways. And we think we are really the sum of our deeds and our actions. That's what the world tells us. But the scriptures say something else. Scripture says that God loves us and what we really are is people that are held captive by sin. We're not defined by our sin. We are captive to it. And there's one who hates us, that we have given ourselves to a liar who has stolen from us what God intends for us to have mark us, which is children made in his image, glorious people who walk with him. And by the kindness of God, a number of us in this room Many of us, thousands of us, have come to understand that God loves his children and he rescues them from sin and death. That he made provision for them through his son. That we would be chosen by him to come out of darkness into light. To acknowledge all those things are true about us. But to also acknowledge something else that is true. That in the middle of human history, God put a stake in the ground in the form of a cross. And he put his son on it. The perfect lamb of God who died for our sins that we might be forgiven, that an eternal, holy, perfect God would give himself for us. Not so that we could add to it our own good works, but so that we might just fall before the cross, fall before our king, express the truth about God, and just accept his provision for us. We are saved, the scripture says, by grace, through faith, alone not as a result of works so that no man should boast, but as you saw in that video, there's new life that comes from that understanding. And we now believe that we are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so what's what we're doing here? We're spurring each other on to good works. Nothing that we would do do we believe could ever earn God's love for us but we, because of God's love for us, are walking differently. Our lives have changed. And what you're about to see is a group of people who will stand before you and um, talk about a spiritual reality through a very physical picture. The spirituality is found in Romans chapter six, verses three and four. Paul's not talking about water baptism here. He's talking about identifying with Christ by faith. It says, do you not know that we have all been baptized into Christ, writing to believers? We've been baptized into Christ Jesus. We've been, those who have done that have been baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him, it says in the scripture. Through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the 
uh, glory of the Father, so we also would walk in the newness of the life that the Father has for us. This is the picture. And people are going to stand before you today and just simply say this. Count me as somebody who trusts that Christ died for me. And count me as somebody who understands that because the wages of sin have been met, that death has lost its sting. And the resurrection power which brought Christ from the grave is now the ability that God has given me to walk in units of life. It starts with a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior through God's gracious provision in his son. So that's the deal here. Baptism doesn't save. Our good works don't save. Jesus saves. This is what makes Christianity unique from every other world system. Christianity is, it is finished or it is done. Religion is what are you doing so that God will love you? But we are chosen, not forsaken. We are who he says we are, forgiven and made pure in his sight. What I want you to do is just hear from a couple of friends up here, then we're going to break out. We're going to hear from everybody who's going to get baptized today in smaller groups. We encourage you to go in just a second to where those folks that you know are or just jump into any group and listen to story after story of people who've come to understand what I just talked about this morning. But I want you to hear just a couple of stories that are um, symbolic of the truth that we're all going to celebrate. So um, let's see. Shelby, you're first. Come on up here with me. And uh, Shelby's just going to share a little bit about her journey to coming to understand the truth that we already sang this morning. Welcome, Shelby, won't you guys? Come here, Shelby. <laughs> All right, Shelby, so just why don't you share with everybody a little bit how you come, came to understand that the truth we've already sung about and that we watched in that video. So growing up, I felt like I could never do anything or prove anything to put myself in God's holy kingdom. I was actually raised in the Catholic Church. My parents and my mom here today um, encouraged us to go to church, be active in the church. Um, some of my best memories are of her standing up in mass and reciting scripture. Um, as I progressed through high school, I was involved in youth group, but I felt like I really wasn't understanding what God was teaching me. Um, when I went off to college, I transitioned over to a new town, and I no longer had that support of that church or those friends, really. And I stopped attending Mass. I no longer really read my Bible. I still prayed occasionally, but I never really chose to develop my relationship with Christ. Mm. Um, in 2012, I moved up here to Dallas. And um, my sin struggles of depression and anxiety kept me from trying a new church. There was always a new excuse. Oh, that one's too small. That one's too big. I didn't like that guy. Um, I'm by myself. There was just excuse after excuse after excuse. Um, and that stayed that way until 2016 when I met a man. And that guy is actually here today. I invited him. And he said, hey, you want to come to the porch? And I, of course, most of you think sometimes it's a restaurant, and it's not. Um, so I was like, okay, we're going to go to dinner. No, 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 no. Um, immediately when we came to the porch, I remember sitting over there and uh, being completely nervous, um, just overwhelmed, as most people are in this setting, uh, when everything is all packed and the music's playing, and just feeling lost. And as we started attending Watermark regularly, 
I uh, got lost in those, transi- those messages, uh, you and JP and everybody else here, of finding that salvation in Christ. And not only finding those messages of salvation in Christ, not through works, but through grace. Um, I came at war with myself. I was at war with finding my place in such a big, large church. And uh, truly, the biggest part was not identifying as a Catholic anymore. Um, like good, good love stories go, um, me and that fella broke up. And, uh, yep, yeah, it was, it was great. Uh, <laughs> and that night I just felt so lost. I'd been in terrible relationships. He was a great guy, but I'd been in terrible relationships, terrible bad decisions, and I had already just thrown myself into my career. Um, But in that moment, at that night when I got back to my apartment, I just felt this sort of peace. And in my mind, all of a sudden, I could hear the words, good, good father, a song that I had heard here at service. And I just kind of kept whispering to myself over and over. Um, And eventually, I found that sort of calmness. And I can only credit that to being God and the Holy Spirit coming in through with me and just settling my core. few days later, that spirit and God's grace is what led me through Watermark up until by myself for the very first time, and I have not looked back. So you talk about every good, you know, Shelby, she's sharing about every relationship kind of brings about some change in your life. So talk about since you've come into a relationship with Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Not, not a, a Jesus you need to perform for or... Um, to, to earn his love, mm-hmm. but when you really came to understand that Christ died for you, tell me how that's affected uh, some of the things you struggle with. You mentioned despair and anxiety mm-hmm. as being some things that, that were affecting you. How has your relationship with God begun to bring healing in your life in those areas? Um, about two years ago, if you had asked me then if I was able to come and be and the question that we always ask, would you, uh, on a scale of one to 10, would you be able to go to heaven? And I was like, oh, it's like a seven, maybe it's a five. Um, now I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me mm-hmm. and that through love and God's grace and he for unforgivingly loves me through my past and my future sins, um, he will always be there for me and there's nothing I can do mm-hmm. to, to take that away. Um, I find joy and pride in being able to share that message with my friends. Mm. I am um, a teacher, and so I get to serve in Kaleidoscope as well, and I get to spread that message to such a near and dear population uh, to my heart. Um, I find comfort in God's word, especially in those moments of despair and, and uh, anxiety. And my youth group has just been so fantastic in reminding me of God's word and his comfort through that. I love it. So Kaleidoscope is our ministry to um, individuals and families who have uh, special needs. And so um, she actually teaches um, special ed classes up north of here and uh, leads in, with us in our Kaleidoscope ministry. But let me just explain to you something that Shelby said that I want you to hear. A lot of anxiety and despair, we always say this, is that uh, depression is what happens when we think God got something wrong. And anxiety is what we feel when we believe God's not going to get it right. One of the things that can make you anxious is if you believe you can't be right enough long enough. Shelby had been around and raised um, in a community that talks about, hey, this this is what it means to be related to God. These are the things you do. 
And there's that sense of, I don't know if I'm doing enough. And then when she, he came and, and heard the gospel, which is you can't do enough. You gotta be perfect. Okay, that'll create some anxiety in you. The reason we ask that question a lot is, hey, on a scale of one to 10, how certain are you that you might go to heaven, is what we're really asking is, do you understand the good news? Do you understand the gospel, what the Bible, not what Todd, not what Watermark, what the Bible says allows us to be reconciled to God? Because if you give an answer, anything less than 10, when you say you're going to heaven, you don't know what the Bible says about salvation. And so when we ask that question, it's just, do you know the gospel? And so Shelby came to a place in her life where I realized that it wasn't about my attendance at a religious service. It wasn't about any things that I was going to do. It was about, do I understand what Christ has done? I'm chosen. I am who he says I am. I'm forgiven because of what Christ did, not what I did. I had a, a, a friend that was here who really struggled with anxiety, I mean, like off the charts, like couldn't drive. And when I began to ask him about what he believed, he basically didn't believe that he was good enough and he didn't believe that he was um, right with God. And I told him, well, you're not crazy. You ought to be scared to death to drive because when you drive, things happen. Accidents happen, you might die. You're the only person in your right mind. Everybody else is just suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. You're living constantly with a sense of judgment is looming over you. You ought to be racked with anxiety. And he's like, are you supposed to make me feel better? I kind of came in here freaked out. And you're telling me that I'm not crazy. I go, exactly, you're not crazy. And he thought he was because he was obsessing over coming judgment. And like Shelby, what I said is, you don't need to obsess over coming judgment, you need to take God's provision for the judgment that is coming and not despair over what you've done or be anxious over what's gonna happen, but celebrate who Jesus is and what he's done. Shelby, would you just quickly pray for us as we uh, worship again? Uh, and, um, My group knows that I'm always like, hey, how about you take that yeah, one? Yeah, well, so we're going to let really you have laughing. it right here. Oh, uh, thanks. So, uh, that, that I didn't put that the, in my notes. Yeah, I know it. I, it's okay. <laughs> so here's what I want you to do. I want you just to pray for us that we would have the peace that Scripture says happens when we trust Christ. And just folks that are struggling with despair about how they've lived or anxiety about whether or not they can be good enough for God, just pray for us that we would understand the gospel and that this great chasm that lied between a perfect God and an imperfect man has been closed because of what Christ has done. Would you pray that for us? I All think right, you did ahead. a good job, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Lord, um, just thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, the people at home that are getting to see our stories. Um, thank you for my family and my friends who've come out here and uh, managed to keep this a surprise from my mom. Um, I just thank you for your messages of salvation, and I hope that the people in this room, that they've come to know you and uh, seek you and with all your heart, with all their heart, and if they haven't already, just, just find a place in them to open up and find encouragement, find someone who can help lead them, especially if they struggle in some of those areas like depression, anxiety any of those sin struggles that we talk about, um, that they just find solace in your word and in your comfort and in other believers who can encourage them to fulfill your, the job that you've put us out on this earth. And just thank you again for your son, Jesus Christ, and everything that he has done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, we're a people, Shelby and I. We're people of a living hope. And the reason we sing is to declare to you that hope 
and to remind ourselves of the hope that we have. Songs aren't something we do to fill time until we get to the message. The message is buried in them. And it is a sweet, sweet sound to our ear. It's what strengthens our hearts. Would you listen if you don't know it? And would you stand and declare it if you do? Let's sing of our living hope. This is my friend John Michael, and John's got a living hope he wants you to hear about. So John, share your story. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> so my name is John Michael Reuter. I was born and raised in a small Presbyterian church. Um, you know, my parents baptized me as an infant, which is what they believe, and I, that's, that was great. I appreciate them wanting me to be part of the faith, but, uh, you know, I believe my, most of my entire life that that was what got me into heaven. And so uh, for me growing up, Christianity was basically just um, knowing the, the Bible stories and being a generally good person. And uh, for me, good kept changing. And so once I got into high school, I had pretty much stopped going to church at that point because, um, you know, I had elevated myself basically to be my own God. And um, it was just not any fun. I was living for selfish reasons and narcissism and pride define my life. Fast forward into college, um, the party scene had just evolved in, into my, my new God and I was living for, for drunkenness, for pornography, for drugs, for promiscuity and um, those are the things I was chasing and selfishly following after. Um, we, made a, we made a video for you that we showed a second ago. <laughs> yeah, all those things, definitely. I, I can relate to every single one of them, and I know a lot of people as well that do. And so I just, um, you know, fast forward a couple of years, I realized that that lifestyle wasn't going to get me, um, getting me to reach any of my long-term goals in life. And so I had the opportunity to move to Dallas. Some friends that I knew lived here and uh, offered a couch for me to crash on until I got on my feet. Um, so I took it and, you know, I had a good four or five months of living the same lifestyle here in Dallas, new bars, new girls, new parties, mm -hmm. and, you know, thought I loved it for the longest time. But after a while, some um, just loneliness set in and I would say I hit my proverbial rock bottom, if you will. Uh, and I was driving by 635 every day mm -hmm. and growing up in a small church, I was thinking I'd never try this place. But... I was at a place of, of loneliness and almost denial in what I believed. And so I just, you know, I put on my new my suit as any good Presbyterian boy would do. You know, walked into Watermark not knowing what to expect, but not also not knowing God was going to use that old cigarette smelling suit just to be a blessing. And there's just so many people here that love me well, uh, showed me the Holy Spirit. And so it was just caused me to keep coming back. And the more I came back, the more God showed up and taught me about himself, his grace, and most importantly, his son Jesus, and who he was, and how I did not have a relationship with him, and how I thought I did have a relationship with him. And so God just used men at Watermark just to love me and mentor me and disciple me, um, jumped into community group, and that was the first time in my, my life I'd ever had real community. Uh, the relationships that I had previously that I thought were community were just shallow, empty, and we were just, you know, chasing after the party. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, fast forward a couple years, uh, get married to an unbelievable woman. We met playing uh, Watermark softball, actually. So there's a, for all you single people out there, jump into the sports ministry. <clears throat> um, but, you know, God has just really opened my eyes to who he is, um, who his son is, and just like we were saying earlier in Ephesians that, you know, we, what I thought was a faith that knowing the Bible stories was good enough, it's not. It's, it wasn't about what we're doing or what we're not doing. It's just about who Jesus is and what he did on the cross for us and how that was enough. 
And that covered all the sins of the lifestyle I had been living. And once I accepted and believed in that truth and started turning my life towards him, um, it just became a lot easier. My eyes were open. My heart got open. Um, you know, the guy on the street who used to, I used to see begging for money was no longer looking like a drain on society, but more of, you know, a, a friend who needed help. Um, you know, the girl at the bar didn't look like somebody who I wanted to exploit anymore. She looked like a sister in Christ. Um, you know, that, that friend who I used to get blackout drunk with, he was now a friend who needed a savior as badly as I did. And so I'm just forever grateful to God for showing me these, these truths and uh, for this said, place. You said three amazing oh. things I want to go back and tap on. You talked about the fact that your, your parents, when you were young, christened you or um, within the Presbyterian faith, they... they um, baptized you as a child. And here's what, you know, I want, I want to talk about the fact that what you're doing today is not an assault on your parents' faith. Yeah. What, what is it? What would you say that is? Well, it's, it's my own decision, which is what we're called to. So, I mean, if you're baptized as a child, that's not a decision that I made. That was a decision they made for me. But I think the scripture is very clear that we have to have our own faiths. And I think it it took me a long time to realize that. But. And in fact, you talked about the fact, you know, this is the second thing you said, man, I was familiar with the Bible stories mm-hmm. and I was told that something happened to me when I was a child that almost gave me a false assurance. Yeah. And this is the problem with infant baptism is that some people are holding on to what happened to them, maybe out of love, a parent desperately wants that child to experience the covenant of grace. And so they said, I baptized you. Well, the Bible makes it very clear that men aren't born of God by the will of the flesh. In other words, because we want to. It's not because of blood. In other words, because you are descendant from another Christian, okay, or by the will of man, not because somebody else wants you to come to faith. This is John chapter 1, verse um, 12 and 13, okay? But you're born because of God, that he chose you and elect you and he draws you back, often because um, parents... Uh, who cared for them and loved them and prayed for them. And there was a day that John Michael began to own his faith. This is John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, he gave the right to become sons of God, even to those who believed in his name. Now look at verse 13, where it says they were born, watch, not of blood, not because daddy was a believer, born not of the flesh because they wanted to, but it's grace, and not even because of the will of men, because mama or dad or I or the friend that invited him wanted to, but this is what friend is. This is the third thing he said I want you to hear. John Michael said, I had a friend who invested in me and invited me to come where I could hear the gospel. I wasn't a project to him. I was a friend that loved him. In the same way he said, my view of women have changed at the bar. My view of drunk buddies have changed. They're not a project I need to convert. They're people I need to love. And then the last thing that's so great about John Michael is that he is now not a guy who's just kind of skating by grace. That's not what people who un- respond to grace do. Uh, he's involved now, not just in seeing that guy in the street corner as somebody that is a, a scourge on society. He leads a ministry here called Second Saturday. Tell everybody what Second Saturday is real quick. <laughs> so Second Saturday is a great organization. Um, uh, Todd Fields is a great friend of mine and started this. So we, we serve down in uh, South and West Dallas and we just serve senior low-income disabled people. Uh, once a month on second Saturdays. And then we also have a second ministry called uh, 2S Industries where uh, we're grabbing guys who are from those neighborhoods and, you know, they've been to prison in the past and 
Uh, so we're grabbing them fresh out of prison and trying to help them turn their lives around and, and be leaders in that community uh, instead of being a, a terror to that community as they were before. So, um, so Todd's a member here, just saw a need, an opportunity. John Michael just says, I want to jump in. On the second Saturday of every month, members of our body go and we work with, uh, as you said, senior disabled and under-resourced people to care for them, rebuild their house, do maintenance in their house, and then we disciple individuals who can't get employed in other places. Second Saturday hires them, works alongside folks like John Michael, tells them about Jesus while we do the work of Jesus. Now folks, let me just encourage you something. Not the second Saturday, but every single Saturday and Sunday, we can invite friends like John Michael who are out there who are discouraged and depressed and trying to figure out if there's something worth living for, who see this big building and think that all we're doing here is trying to get people to come. We don't care if folks come to Watermark, but God uses the body of Christ that lives in places like Watermark to help John Michael know where life is, that there's a beautiful name. His name is Jesus, and Jesus changes everything. Amen? God bless you. I asked Shelby to pray. Um, I think it'd be helpful for these guys to hear Romans 6. Would you just quote Romans 6 for everybody? And then, no, I'm kidding, sorry. <laughs> just kidding. But uh, hey, we're gonna sing one more song that has the truth that Todd, uh, that John Michael did an amazing job of talking about. And then I wanna come up and we're gonna invite some friends on stage. We're gonna sing one song that uh, is just one of my favorites. I want you to listen to it. If you're here today and a friend invites you to come and hear their story of life change, you need to know it's Jesus is the one who changes lives. All right, let's stand and declare it together. If you're one of our friends that's gonna get to share with other people your story of grace in just a second, come on up here, start to walk on up. We're gonna, uh, in just a second, get to sing our last song. It's just so fun. I encourage you to pray for these people, to go listen to their story. And listen, if you're here and you don't understand um, the gospel, the good news, that there's nothing to despair about that you've done, nothing to be anxious about going forward if you understand our living hope. We would love to share with you that. In all the groups that you go to, there will be people there ready and equipped to encourage you. Hey, just to let you know this, right now in Plano, there's um, hundreds of folks that are doing the same thing you're doing. In Fort Worth, there's hundreds of folks doing the same thing you're doing. In Dallas last night at four o'clock, there's hundreds of folks that did the same thing. It's just an amazing thing to watch what God's doing in calling his people out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's my story. And just by the kindness of God, this community is encouraging me to grow, teaching me his word, helping me discover, develop, and deploy my gifts for his glory, helping me love the John Michaels and Shelbys and all these friends that are out here with the gospel. Look, this is what's really great. Because it's pouring in Fort Worth right now, they moved it out of a park back to where they meet right now on Sunday mornings. Looks like that new facility will be ready for them sometime early September, but they're still in the Ridgely Theater in Fort Worth. And the Ridgely's being rented out for a lot of things, you can see. So just a couple days ago, there was a burlesque show. And you could go there and catch the Rocky Horror, all right, show if you wanted to on 519. And then Sundays, this Watermark Church meets there. And so inside right now at the Ridgely, there's a bunch of folks talking like we're talking about Jesus. They're going to walk outside and celebrate the same thing we're going to celebrate in just a moment. That's what Jesus does, man. He takes what is a horror and feeds the appetites of the flesh. And he says there's joy to come. There's freedom. There's going to be a, a glorious day when God rolls up all that is evil and makes it right. And if God hasn't dealt with your evil, it won't be glorious. And so we just wanted to claim to you that today is the day of salvation. 
Today is the day for you to respond to the love of God. If you've got questions about that, every Monday night we have a group of friends that meet here just to answer your questions. You're not gonna insult us. We're not gonna love you more if you agree with us. But if you really think there's intellectual reasons not to believe in the historicity of Jesus and his finished work on the cross, I'm gonna just love you enough to tell you, you haven't done your work. And just please come. Monday nights, it's called Great Questions. It meets right here in one of these little community breakout rooms and just comes out, I've got questions about this. If something is true, no amount of scrutiny can affect it. And I'm gonna tell you the truth will set you free. It changed my life. And because of that, I'm looking forward to that glorious day. Even though I was buried beneath my shame, I was chosen, not forsaken. Let's sing that together, you ready? Here we go, let's proclaim that. Listen, I had a weird, there's gonna be a day, I can imagine that all the choir of earth, people that have come to understand that, I mean, there's gonna be a day I think I'm gonna to get to sing that to Jesus. That you called my name, man, and I came running out of that grave. And if you're here and you don't know the love of God, just like he said, man, Lazarus, come forth. I'm gonna tell you. Oh, you're gonna get, it's raining out there. You're gonna get baptized anyway. You may as well come on. You may as well come, all right? So no, that's not a baptism, lest you're confused. But I'm just telling you, man, God loves you and you're chosen, not forsaken. And I hope that one day you're gonna stand before him like I am with some messages about you, what you have done. And because of what you did, it changed me. Changed the way I looked at girls at the bar and guys on the corner and men on the other side of a beer. There are people that you need to go sing before this week if you've been called out of that grave. There are John Michaels and Shelby's waiting for you to sing to them about the kindness of your king. So let's go, church, all right? You're about to hear. You go find, you go find one of those names in one of those areas that are all around our campus and go listen to stories of grace. And then we're gonna meet out there, we're gonna eat and we're gonna celebrate a picture of what Christ has done. God bless you, man. Have a great week of worship. All right, guys. I wanna say thank you to my family, my close friends, Rebecca and Catherine, for always being there to support me and teach me what it means to walk in God's grace. I thank my mom and dad for encouraging me on my path to accepting Jesus Christ. Thank you to my family, community group, and the Watermark family. I want to thank JP and David at the porch. To David Leventhal, Alyssa and Shane Molden, the Dishmans and the Sullivans. My brother Turin, my dad, my parents, and sister Nancy. My mom and my dad and my community group. I just want to thank Luke, David, Laura, and thank you to my porch friends. My sister-in-law Martha and my husband. My friend Jeanette for inviting me to church and my friend Karen. Kevin Sip for leading me to Christ. My parents, particularly my mom and my community group. Thank you, Abby. My friend Angie Beatty for sharing your faith and assuring me that God forgives all sin. A huge thanks to Stephanie Rodriguez and Judy Anderson. My small group leaders, my parents, and my aunt. Thank you, Mom and Dad and Mr. Clark from Grace Academy. My parents, my husband, my sister in Christ, and everybody who's been a blessing to me. Bobby Crotty and my community group. Kathy and John Eppersole for sharing the gospel with me and Tyler McLean and Bree LaFon. I want to say thank you to my cousin Madison and to my family, my grandfather who showed me who Jesus is, my parents, my small group back at AM, and I'd like to thank my community group here at Watermark. Kate Kramer for leading me towards the Lord. My friends, family, and teammates. I would like to thank my wife, Markel, my children, Darian and Tiara, my papa, my best friends, Irene, my sister-in-law, Candice. Thank you, Lorna Maida in Costa Rica, Joanne in England. Thank you, Karen. Jackie, Becky, and Lori. My dad, my sister, Natalie, 
West Folks. My parents, I want to thank Matt and John Dover and their parents. I want to thank Jeff Kramer. Thank you, Mom and Dad, for leading me to Christ, and Kate Blocker and Maddie Cotter for being my Christ-like example. Miss Kim is on your mark for teaching me about Jesus. My parents, my Bible teachers, and my classroom guard name is Mary. My family, especially my nanny. My mom and dad for leading me to Christ. My family, especially my husband, my parents, my sister, and my niece for constantly supporting and encouraging me in my decision to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. Blake Strunk, thank you for introducing me to Jesus Christ. My mother, the girls behind me, the pastors and the Watermark staff. My family, dad, mom, my sister Gladys, also wanted to thank Brian today. My parents and my sister and friends and community group. I want to thank my mother, my father Manny, my awesome sisters, Patrick, and so many more. My neighbors, the Lambs, to my parents, and to Rachel Jones, to Sissy Hardcastle, my family, and also to my husband, Keith. My parents and my small group leaders. All the girls in my small group, and my leaders, Carly, Heather, and Kelsey. My small group leaders, Chase, Chase, and Clark. My parents, my cousin, Michaela, and one of my best friends, Hannah. Thank you, Todd and, and Dallas. Thank you, Kyle and Plano, the pastors in Fort Worth. Thank you, Watermark, because you've showed me that even though I have all these sins, God still loves me and forgives me. Thank you. Thank you to my grandparents and my parents. I'm so blessed to have y'all. Mike Lester, Drew Horner, and Scout Lake. Super grateful for uh, the community of Watermark. Marcy Morgan, Barley, and the ladies from Second Samuel Bible Study. Cassie, Gabe, and Shelly Stagner, thank you guys so much. My husband and my husband's family. All my friends and family that chose to be here with me today. My father, Bob Lau. I want to thank my parents. I also want to thank my wife, family, friends, and community group. My mommy and my daddy for leading me to Christ. My parents, my aunt Jen, and my whole small group for sharing the gospel and leading me into Christ. My mom, dad, and my teachers for just leading me to Christ. I want to thank my family, and I want to thank my wife for introducing me to Christ. Thank you, Uncle Dan, Tom Hanby, my dad, mom, my buddy Brandon Arthur, my buddy Aaron Johnston, my friend Stace, Thank you very much, Grandma and Grands, Todd and JP and all the others. Thank you very, very much. A huge thank you to all my friends who have been such a big part of my walk with Christ. Riley Maxwell for sharing the gospel with me and praying for me every single day. My small group leaders and my parents for pointing me to Christ. Thank you to Carlos and April. Everyone that I've met along the way here at Watermark has played an enormous role in my walk with Christ, and for that, I'm extremely thankful. Thank you, Mommy, Daddy, and Papa for telling me about Jesus and praying for me. Thank you, Honor Mark and K1 Race. Thank you, Miss Megan. I love you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me.